You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And we are two writers who've gone our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog. And we've been covering the Chargers now for over six seasons doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live. I also write for the LA Football Network, and this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Well, I know there's a lot of very impatient fans out there that are wondering where all of the moves have gone since the Chargers got off to a hot start in free agency. But on today's show... We're going to be focusing on some of the players that have left the Chargers, including Hunter Henry and Rayshon Jenkins, and also get into the Chargers guaranteeing Mike Williams' fifth-year option on Wednesday. That was the deadline for them to decide if they wanted to release him. I don't think any of us thought that was going to happen, but we'll get into that decision at the end of the show. But also, thank you to everyone who is checking out the show for the first time today. We really appreciate it, and a special thank you to all of our loyal fans as well. If you guys don't already, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. David, today I want to start with Rayshon Jenkins, because this is a very volatile subject, as I'm sure a lot of people, if you're on Twitter and are a part of Chargers Twitter, found out this week because there was one fan that had said, we wanted John Johnson, not you, and that led to, you know, all-out war on Chargers Twitter, so at least that's over with, but the Chargers did lose out on their st- starting safety of the past two years, a guy that was getting better and I, I think was an average player. I know if we asked John Kegley, he'd probably say below average, but a lot of Charger fans also had their eyes on John Johnson, and that didn't work out either, so right now, the Chargers ended up losing Rayshon Jenkins to the Jaguars, who had a ton of cap space a rebuilding team that has, you know, money to spend on players like this. And according to the reports, he got a four-year deal for $35 million, $16 million fully guaranteed with a maximum of $39.5 million with incentives. And I know Daniel Popper pointed out this is close to the Adrian Amos deal from a couple of years ago. So that kind of makes sense as far as what the market was for him. And at the end of the day, there were also reports that the Chargers tried to retain him, David, but at, you know they end up getting outbid for him, which might not necessarily be the worst thing. No, I don't think it's the worst thing. I mean, good on Rayshon Jenkins and his agent for getting him that contract with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, I believe over the last couple of seasons, Rayshon Jenkins did get a lot better. He did showcase his versatility. He uh, got better with his ball skills, started pick, picking off balls at a, a higher clip. Uh, I, I did see improvement from him, but there's obviously also some glaring holes as well with some angles, with some bad tackling at times. And when you're that last line of defense, you just can't have those type of mishaps that Rayshon Jenkins would have from time to time. So a real, I say a good quality NFL player, uh, an athletic guy, um, best of luck to him in Jacksonville. But unfortunately here at the chargers, it just that they were never going to spend that much money or never going to give Rayshon Jenkins that much money when they have other things that they could attend to. And it seems like, you know, this is a vote of confidence for Nazir Adderley as well, since they decided not to really try so hard to bring him back but, hey, Rayshon Jenkins going back to Florida. He's from Florida. No state tax over there either. So, hey, he's going to get paid, and he's going to get a lot of that money too. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really good deal for him. I think for the Jaguars who have a big need, it makes sense. 
seeing a guy who obviously has all of the athletic ability in the world. And I mean, for the Chargers, really got moved around over the past couple of years, especially with the injury to Derwin James. He ended up playing strong safety, even though he was making some progress as the Chargers free safety in 2019. So two starting years, two different positions, showed a real knack for coverage in 2019. I mean, if you looked at the raw stats, you'd see that he gave up a passer rating of 101.0. But that season, he also only gave up nine completions, right? So that meant he was really covering a lot of things on the back end. But when he got beat, he was getting beat badly. And the other thing with Rayshon Jenkins that he always struggled with was missed tackles. And coming up from the free safety position, that's obviously a tough angle to get tackles. And especially if you're not used to playing that far away from the line of scrimmage in a you know single high safety look. It would have been interesting to see how he fit in with Brandon Staley's two safety look back there. I mean, he obviously has shown the ability to tackle, but that was a big issue. He missed 11.6% of his tackles in 2020. He missed 12.9% of his tackles in 2019. That was something that was always hard to get over. But this leaves the Chargers in a pretty you know, desperate spot at that position because right now you have three safeties on the roster. You have Derwin James, you have Nazir Adderley, and then the other guys, Alohi Gilman, who tried to carve out a role for himself last year on special teams, very minimal defensive snaps. And as a guy, I think we would all feel pretty uncomfortable about getting any significant playing time in 2021, given just the uncertainty of what we haven't seen from him so far. So this really leaves a huge opening, David. They miss out on Rayshon Jenkins coming back. They miss out on John Johnson III in that contract, considering what the Chargers have available in cap space right now was never really feasible after making some of the big moves they did earlier. It just leaves a huge hole in that safety position that will have to be addressed during this offseason because you can't really go into it with just three guys you definitely can't go into it with three guys especially not the guys that you have on the roster because as much as you love derwin james and and how incredibly talented he clearly is he's been hurt a lot during his short nfl career and yes you obviously see what he can do when he's on the football field but he's had a couple of freak accidents freak injuries i should say that have made him miss a lot of football. So you just, as much as you want to see him go out there and perform, you can't trust that that's going to happen 100%. So the Chargers need to go out there and add some more help at the safety position. There are some guys that are still out there, Daniel, that you could definitely bring in to make you feel more comfortable about the situation. They have nine picks in the draft. They can try to go get another safety in the draft. But I think a guy I like who I think we had our eye on when he was in the draft was Malik Hooker. I just loved his range, his speed. He's a ball hawk. I mean, he's the type of free safety that you would like to be next to Derwin James. And I feel like if they're both healthy and they're both on the football field, you have both those safeties on the field, I think you feel pretty damn good about things. That would also give you some flexibility to maybe move Nazir Adderley to the cornerback position, give you some more depth there as well as still having some depth at safety. Hopefully, if you're bringing in another corner in free agency or bringing in a high-round rookie because they do have a cornerback position, a starting cornerback position that is still up for grabs given the cut of Casey Hayward. But even if you want to buy into the fact that Nazir Adderley could play a lot better in Brandon Staley's system, which is something that I could buy into, right? It's a guy that's only played two seasons. The first season, he was entirely injured for the whole year. Last year, he had moments, but I think we were all underwhelmed. But have to also, you know, talk about the fact that it was really his first season in the league. 
Now he comes into a defense where they play a lot of too high safety looks, and I could definitely see where a guy who was getting a step late to a lot of plays in 2020, given the fact that he would only have to cover a less ground in Brandon Staley's system, would be able to make more plays in 2021. But yes, Derwin James has played five games the last two seasons. Nazir Adderley, even if he played all 16 games, and both of them did, that's great, but there's no depth at the position right now. And the other thing is, is if Brandon Staley really wants to use Derwin James as that chess piece who he can move all around the field, play in the slot, play linebacker at times, who's the other safety back there right now? Is it Alohi Gilman and Nazir Adderley? I mean, that's just something that doesn't you know instill any kind of confidence, right? So I do think there is a big positional need at that point. We will talk, I'm sure, at some point about some of the other guys besides Malik Hooker. That could make sense for them. There might be some relationships that come into play there. But right now, especially losing Rayshon Jenkins, even though he wasn't a fan favorite to some, it is a big loss because of what the drop-off is between him and Alohi Gilman and also not having an insurance policy for Derwin James, who has been really injured his first couple of years. But we will have a lot of time to get into that, and we all know Tom Telesco is never in a rush in free agency until this year. But... I think we could see that all start to slow down. I honestly think that we already have, but we do have two more segments to get into. In the next segment, we're going to talk about the Chargers' biggest loss so far in free agency, and that is Hunter Henry before wrapping up the show by talking about the Chargers exercising Mike Williams' fifth-year option and guaranteeing all of his money coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that if you ever need any auto part for your car, if something goes wrong and you need a way to fix it and a part to fix it, there's only one place to go, and that is rockauto.com when it comes to car things for me it's something i'm not great at i never really have been but when i need to get something it's all about convenience for me so i don't want to go into chain storefronts and try to you know ask the guy and tell him what kind of car i have and have him look it up on the computer i'd rather just go to rockauto.com type in what kind of car i have and just a few easy clicks i can find the part that i need and get it delivered right to my door without even leaving my house instead of having to go search around for it. So it's really the only way to go, and we're happy that they sponsor the show because it's already worked out for me fixing my fiance's car at one point. But all you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts they have available for your car or truck and write Locked On in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. I also need to tell you guys about Built Bar Madness right now. The best protein bars in the world are facing off in a bracket tournament where they're going to discover which built bar is the best protein bar on the planet. And today's matchup is a toughie. We have cookie dough chunk versus salted caramel. So I know these are two fan favorites. I do think it's going to be a close matchup. If I had to put money on it, I'm definitely going cookie dough chunk. But at the same time, this is a matchup I at least agree with. I'm glad salted caramel made it out of the first round. And if you guys want to get in on the action, Go to BuiltBar.com and you can vote on your favorite flavors right there and make sure the right one wins because it is Built Bar Madness. And remember, guys, if you use the promo code LOCKED15, you can get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. All right, guys, well, now it's time to get into a little bit of a sore subject because after the Patriots went and signed John U. Smith, the second best free agent tight end on the market. They doubled down and brought in Hunter Henry. And I still remember the tweet that I sent after the Chargers got blown out by the Patriots. And you see Hunter Henry and Bill Belichick hugging on the field, clearly tampering. (laughs) And it's just like, oh, cool. We got blown out. And, you know, Hunter Henry has a desirable destination 
out in New England when free agency opens up. And sure enough, that's what happens. The Patriots end up signing Hunter Henry to a three-year, $37.5 million deal, including $25 million in guaranteed money. To put that in perspective for the Chargers, right now, according to Daniel Popper and that in his breakdown of the salary cap, which includes, you know, keeping money for in-season additions and also takes out the amount of money that they'll have to pay their draft picks, the Chargers have about $18 million in spending space, true money that they can actually go out and spend on free agents. Hunter Henry would have taken up about $7 million of those dollars had they brought him in. I still thought there was a chance to bring back Hunter Henry, David, but the more this thing drug out, the more it seemed like after being franchise tagged by the Chargers, he was going to end up elsewhere in 2021. Yeah, it did seem that way, and it's just really unfortunate that he has to go to the Patriots. I mean, I cannot stand the Patriots. (laughs) It's no secret about that. If you've listened to this show at all, the last four years, you know that not just me, I mean, really nobody on this show particularly cares for the New England Patriots around here, but to watch Hunter Henry go to the Pats, I mean, it's just like, ugh, that's an extra dagger directly in the heart. But hey, at the end of the day, it is a business decision, and he went to the place that was giving him the most money, and the Patriots were crazy. I mean, they've been crazy in this offseason. Bill Belichick, obviously was not happy about having a losing season. He went out there and spent like a a man possessed the first couple of days of the legal tampering period and in free agency. I mean, they've signed more guys than anyone else. Hunter Henry is a great player. I'd agree with you, Daniel. It just seemed like the more the time passed, the more likely Hunter Henry was going to be gone. And it seems obvious now that the Chargers are going to draft a tight end and that might change when they draft this tight end it might be in a sooner round than people are expecting well and I mean if you go into the draft with your current situation I mean you would have to think they have to spend you know a premier pick on it and there's a couple guys out there that would make sense in the draft and we'll talk about that more depending on how the rest of free agency shakes out but it was always tough with Hunter Henry because obviously there's the injuries right I mean People talk about it all the time. He did end up playing in 14 or more games in three of his five seasons. He missed the entire 2018 season, so that definitely throws a wrinkle into it because that's a lot of games missed just right there. But he had played at least 12 games in all the rest of his seasons. So it's not as if he was missing you know, half the season for his five years with the Chargers. But the other part of it was him and Justin Herbert, even though you know they talk very highly of each other and all of those things, I mean... Hunter Henry had a career-high 93 targets in 2020. His previous high was 76, so he almost went 20 over what he had ever done before. And even with that, he still didn't set his career-high in total yardage as far as receiving yards, 613. But he did have a career-low 64.5 catch percentage and a career-low 6.6 yards per target. His previous career-low before that was 8.6, so... The connection, even though he was targeting him a lot, never seemed to fully develop. And I do think that had to play some part of the Chargers not feeling like they absolutely had to bring him back, along with you know what these other guys might want to find in a tight end, which some people have suggested is getting a guy who's more relying on the yards after the catch aspect of the position, getting a more athletic guy, which is not something that Hunter Henry had really ever been. He was dependable. He was a good route runner. He had good hands. All of those things, but they could be looking at, you know, different options at the position. But I definitely think the disconnect or as far as the at least the efficiency of the 
Herbert to Henry connection played a part of this decision not to be able to bring him back if they were, you know, interested in paying him that much, obviously. I definitely believe it, it played a factor in things, Daniel, but also let's not forget, I mean, Hunter Henry was not the most productive tight end, even when he was healthy. He never had world beater numbers. He never had numbers that made you be like, okay, this guy's, you know, the top three, three to five tight ends at his position. He never did that. He never put up crazy numbers. So is it warrant him? Does it warrant paying him twelve and a half million dollars a year? I mean, clearly the the Chargers decided that that is not the case. Is Hunter Henry a good tight end? Absolutely, he does a lot of great things. I've said many times he's a great blocker. He is a great uh, route technician. He has good hands, but he's not great at any one aspect of thing of the tight end position. So I think for that reason, it it doesn't really hurt too badly that he left in free agency. It just hurts that he went to the damn Pats. But yes, I mean, the Chargers obviously need to address the tight end position. I mean, having Donald Parham, who has some skills that you like, and Steven Anderson, who they haven't brought back yet, showed some good things late in the season. But you absolutely can't go into next season with those guys at the tight end position. It will be addressed. It's just a question of whether it will be addressed in free agency, in the draft, or both. When the one guy that had, you know, Brandon Staley ties, even though he's a defensive coach and was the defensive coordinator for the Rams, Gerald Everett just went on a $6 million deal to Seattle. So that would have paid him that. Yeah, I mean, that would have been a nice little Band-Aid. Obviously, $6 million would have had to all go on this season's cap. Maybe they didn't feel like they had that flexibility, but they also could have, you know, maneuvered it the way they have with a lot of different contracts too. But yeah, I mean, assuming Parham and Steven Anderson come back. I mean, let's look at it, right? Donald Parham had 20 targets for 10 receptions in 159 yards last season with three touchdowns, averaged 15.9 yards per catch. I mean, that's a good average, but that's 20 career targets, 10 career receptions. I mean, even Steven Anderson, I mean, he only caught eight balls last year for 106 yards, no touchdowns. In his career, he has 44 catches, two touchdowns. So, I mean, at least there's some prior production, but... His best season, you know, as a you know somewhat focal point of an offense in Houston was 25 catches for 342 yards all the way back in 2017. So to say they need to add something at the position almost doesn't do how much they need to add the position justice. I mean, right now it's hard to imagine them going into the season with this. And then right now you have to wonder which of these later guys in free agency the Chargers might target going into the draft just so they don't put all of their eggs in that basket, because that's a tough place to be. It'll be interesting to see how they end up trying to fill it. And we'll talk about, you know, some potential options, maybe on tomorrow's show about guys that are still floating around in free agency that could make a lot of sense. But there was another big talking point on Chargers social media on Wednesday, and it was about the Chargers potentially releasing Mike Williams before his fifth year option became fully guaranteed. So we're going to talk about if they made the right decision with that and what else they could have done with that money coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Lockdown Chargers podcast is betonline.ag. I know football season is over, but if you guys still want to bet on the NFL, there's a ton of future NFL bets that you can pick from. From, you know, who's going to win the AFC West to who's going to win the Super Bowl. So if you want to find that action, it's still out there. And if you're looking for something right now, I mean, we have baseball on the horizon. We have the NBA and the NHL going on in full swing. And it's March. It's March Madness. The tournament is coming up, and it's the best time to bet on sports, in my opinion. Games going on day and night. 
all day with just constant action. And the best way, especially to watch games with teams you've never heard of, is to have some juice on it. And right now, we will even give you some free money since you guys are listening to this podcast with betonline.ag. All you have to do is head to the website or use your mobile device, and you guys can receive a 50% welcome bonus with the promo code locked on. That's promo code locked on, all caps at your online sportsbook experts. 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag. All right, so I want to wrap up the show today by talking about Mike Williams just because I do think that was something that was constantly talked about on Wednesday. I mean, I put a poll out there, not even a poll, just asked the question, you know, what would you do if you were the Chargers general manager and you had a $15.68 million salary that was going to be guaranteed for a receiver that probably hasn't lived up to those numbers financially in his short career, and that's Mike Williams. And we all knew the Chargers picked up his fifth-year option, but... One of the little known things about that until today where everyone knew about it was you actually can resend that option up until, you know, yesterday, which ended up being March 17th. And the Chargers had a chance to potentially, you know, free up another $15.68 million in salary cap space. But this was a thing that we never actually thought was going to happen. There was a chance that the Chargers, you know, could restructure it. They could extend him and move some money around so the cap hit isn't so brutal in 2021. And they could still potentially do that. They still have time to work out a deal with him. But David, I mean, it's pretty crazy, you know, seeing all the responses on Twitter where, Almost every single person was saying, hey, you either restructure it, you either move some money around to lessen that cap hit in 2021, or you release him. Yeah, I mean, I understand it uh, for the most part. Like a, a lot of people out there look at Mike Williams and they look at his typical stat line and, you know, it's maybe three, four catches for 80, 90 yards. But that's like the thing is, it's not every game. I mean, it, he has a couple games where he just disappears, but it seems like one theme, though, Anytime the Chargers need a big play in any big moment, the last three or four seasons, they've thrown it up to Mike Williams. And more often than not, Mike Williams went up and got the football. And there's not many other players around the league that have been able to showcase that ability. And and that was one of the points that Daniel Popper brought up. And he did like a live chat on YouTube where he did a kind of a Q&A situation. And he made that point. And he said, yeah, he makes $15.68 million. And yeah, that's a big cap hit. But the Chargers are, you know, have their franchise quarterback on a rookie contract. So they have some flexibility. They don't have to worry about restructuring the deal if they don't want to. I mean, they have the pieces in place. Can they still do it? Absolutely. Do I think they should do it? Yeah, I think $15.68 million for Mike Williams is too much money. I respect Mike Williams. I think he's a very tough football player. I think he is a glue guy because of that toughness. He went out there and played 16 games, playing through ridiculous pain, still going up and doing those acrobatic catches like he's known for. I mean, that that does definitely count for something. And as Daniel Popper has mentioned many times, the Chargers organization loves Mike Williams. And I think that's, that's one thing that most Charger fans out there need to understand is this organization loves Mike Williams and they don't want to get rid of him. So they never entertained the notion of getting rid of Mike Williams. That was never a conversation that they probably had. They want this guy to be here. They believe in him. I like Mike Williams as a player. I don't think I like him at $15.68 million. So I hope in the coming days, weeks, months, whatever, that they work out a long-term extension if they truly do want to keep him around that lessens that cap hit to a more reasonable number. Yeah, and I think that's reasonable. But 
you're also putting, you know, money on future caps, right? I mean, you're limiting your flexibility in the future if you spread the Right, that's why around. I said if they want to keep him, if they really believe in him and they want to keep him around, they would do that. If not, he's on the books for one year and they can move on if they want to after the season. That's the one thing that this move gives them is the chance to move on because, I mean, really, what's the best case scenario? If Mike Williams goes off in 2021, you're probably not going to be able to afford him next year, right? I don't know if you're going to have two wide receivers, you know, that are making, you know, 20 million in Keenan Allen and then have Mike Williams coming in, at, you know, 15 to 18 million if he really blows up or whatever. But I think the other thing that makes this tough to swallow is just the fact that the wide receiver market right now is really, really slow. I mean, you're not seeing deals like, you know, Keenan Allen got, you're not seeing deals like Amari Cooper got where guys are making $20 million, right? You're seeing deals with Corey Davis where it's a little over $12 million. Curtis Samuel just went to the Washington football team for a deal that was similar to that, right? So you're looking at that and being like, okay, well, these guys are going for less than Mike Williams. Mike Williams is here making top 10 money. It's hard to justify that unless you're just saying, you know, we're totally on board with him coming to this team in 2021 and being a huge factor and being a huge part of Justin Herbert's continued development as well. But I mean, 2020, he had 48 catches. 2019, you know, a season where he had 1,001 yards, he only had 49 catches. Really, it was just the explosive plays that were missing. He averaged over 20 yards per catch in 2019. He only had two touchdowns. The year before that, he had 10 touchdowns. We were waiting for him to put all of it together, but even in 2019, I mean, if people are yearning for those stats again, you have to also understand that season, Phillip Rivers threw eight interceptions when targeting Mike Williams and only two touchdowns. Like, it was just chuck it up to him and let him go get it. And yeah, it worked out a lot of times, but it also didn't work out a lot of times either and ended up in interceptions. When Justin Herbert was targeting him this year, it was only two interceptions, but you saw that lack of explosive playmaking that we've seen with him in the past. 15.8 yard average is nothing to sneeze about, but he only averaged 8.9 yards per target down from 11.1. It's just he, we don't know at this point if he has to have that crazy volume to be able to put up really good numbers. And I think that's the hard part, but the Chargers will have one more season if you know they don't want to sign him next year. He's off the salary cap and they can go in a different direction, and maybe we'll see them potentially try to draft his successor this year in the upcoming draft. But, I mean, injuries has to be a huge part of it, David, because even though he only missed you know, more than one game in 2017, his first year in the league, every other game he's played at least 15 games the last three seasons. But the long-term future for him is a little scary because even in 2020, it was a hamstring strain, right? It's a training camp AC joint sprain. He had a groin injury where he ended up being able to play through it, but it seems like there's something like that every year, and it's also limiting his effectiveness. 2019, it was back, spasm that, back spasms that made him miss a game. In 2017, he had a disc herniation in his back. He missed six games his rookie season. When he was at Clemson, he had a neck fracture and had to miss all but one game in that season. That's a serious injury, and we've also compounded that by some of the soft tissue injuries too that are the nagging injuries that happen all season so I understand the Chargers being hesitant to potentially put a lot of years on that contract 
knowing what this guy has accumulated, even though, you know, it's not his fault by any means. He's shown great toughness to continue to get out there and play, but that has to play a factor in it. It does play a factor in it. And I think injuries is a part of the story of Mike Williams. I think with his style of play, his physical nature, the way he goes up and makes these crazy catches, I mean, you got to go up and get it and then you got to fall to the ground. And trust me, that's not always the, the most pleasant situation. I mean, I've seen Mike Williams get the wind knocked out of him so many times over the last four or five years. It's been crazy. It's just that's what happens when, when you, you hold play your the breath game. when he hits the ground. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's scary sometimes. I mean, it's obviously awesome to watch, but the way this guy plays the game of football, injuries are going to come with that. There's just no way around it. He's just that type of guy. So, uh, do you want to live with that? Does his production outweigh that? concern that's a question that the chargers need to answer well and the other thing is is he just wasn't effective in the red zone i mean from the stats i was able and to he should up, be right with yeah. that size come he, on now he didn't get anywhere near the most targets in the red zone in the nfl i think he was somewhere around the top 60 but i think part of that you know obviously is play calling anthony one shane Steichen, whatever you can blame that but the other part of it was on his 13 targets he had two touchdowns, right? And we had games end on him not being able to pull in catches. Like, he just wasn't efficient on those jump balls. The fade is a hugely inefficient route in the NFL. He can be the exception at times, but they were throwing it up to him at times. He wasn't coming down with it. I mean, two touchdowns and red zone throws and also two interceptions. So it's just tough because he wasn't necessarily even bringing you that threat in the red zone, which is Given his limited skill set, I mean, he's not a separator. Look at Justin Herbert and who he immediately linked up with, right? It was Keenan Allen who he targeted. You know. I mean, to be fair, everyone's going to link up with Keenan Allen. I mean, that guy makes people look silly on a daily basis. Of course, but at the same time, I mean, Justin Herbert wants to throw, you know, throw to guys who are open. And with Mike Williams, especially connecting with a young quarterback, it's not always easy to just throw jump balls and just have to trust that he's going to come down with that. I mean, you saw it in the right. end zone and against Denver. Bryce Callahan comes away with an interception in the end zone, right? I mean, it's just if you're not being able to do those things, if you're trying to make your quarterback throw into contested catching windows and throw to guys who aren't potentially open, you have to wonder what that's going to do to his development. Right, and he's risk-averse, too. I mean, doesn't he doesn't want to put his, put the ball in those situations to where it's going to get picked off. And, of course, Anthony Lynn was in his ear about that all year long as well. And, and for the most part, it definitely worked out. But I think maybe this year, now that he has a year in the league, he might take more of those chances. He might throw the ball up a little bit more, and that might be a good thing. I mean, that might not be a good thing. It just depends on what this offense is going to look like. That's another aspect of things is how is Mike Williams going to be used in the Lombardi offense, the new offense of the Chargers? That's another question. Is he going to get those opportunities in the red zone? Are they going to scheme up ways to use him differently? I mean, that's what I'm looking out to see. One, he has another chance to have a fully healthy season. Hopefully nothing nags him. Hopefully he gets on the same page with Justin Herbert and they're able to, you know, capitalize on his explosive playmaking. But there has to be more dimensions to his game than we've seen. And I think injuries have taken some of that away from him. I mean, he didn't break a single tackle in 2020. That's just not his game. So it'll be interesting to see how they address the wide receiver position this offseason if they try to draft somebody to take over for him eventually because no matter what happens, if he's injured all next season, it feels unlikely he'd be back. If he ends up you know, going off next season, it makes it kind of unlikely he's going to be back. So we'll see if this one-year gamble pays off. But I definitely understand why people thought, hey, there's other you know, bigger holes that you could fill with that $15.68 million. 
knowing it would be a big hit to your receiving core and you would obviously still have to address that position as well but that is going to wrap things up for today's show we know there's other stuff going on the Chargers brought back Michael Badgley Denzel Perriman ended up going to the Panthers we're going to get into some of that tomorrow as well as you know talking about the fact that it's not that crazy that Tom Telesco isn't spending at this point he might go back into coupon Tom mode at this point and also just some of the guys out there that would still make sense for the Chargers still floating around in free agency on our free agency Friday show but until then make sure to follow us on Twitter at Lockdown LAC and to like the Facebook page Lockdown Chargers as well as subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast from you can find the Lockdown Chargers podcast there if you guys want to leave voicemails next week should be a more heavy voicemail week with less news coming out with the number is 323-524-7924 I promise I'm getting them guys We'll get them in as soon as possible, but we'll be back with you tomorrow with the latest free agency news and some picks for the Chargers that could still make sense in the current free agency period. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.